Welcome to the Create Something Awesome Today podcast, where it's all about educating and motivating creative pros and entrepreneurs from around the world with simple and easy to implement ideas. And of course, helping you create something awesome today. And now, welcome your host. He is the founder of Founder of Awesome Creator Academy, a YouTube educator, and the biggest Star Wars nerd you'll ever meet, Roberto Blake. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Create Something Awesome Today podcast. This is your host, Roberto Blake, helping you create something awesome today. Welcome back. Uh, we're doing a late midnight run because I decided that I was going to do a Monday through Friday podcast going into 2020 come hell or high water. So here we are. Uh, so today's podcast episode is actually going to be really interesting because we're going to be covering a news topic. What if I told you? that in almost every way that matters, that TikTok has surpassed YouTube. Now, you know, I, I don't make that claim myself. We actually have some news sources that we're going to look at that are going to help cover that. But I, I think this is really interesting. And I wanted to bring this up because I actually do have a strategy and a plan myself going into uh, 2022 to do short form content and to do more things like TikTok and YouTube Shorts, and I'm working on what that strategy actually will look like. So uh, this is something that even I am looking at and taking seriously now, because to be very real with you, I've been um, at the very beginning, you know, a couple of years ago, Gary Vaynerchuk was like, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. And the thing is, I saw it, and I saw it as a very much a Gen Z play. I saw it as something that, um, younger creators uh, in Gen Z really gravitating to And I, I felt like it was more of a place for them. I felt like it was more of their thing because I looked at it as a, you know, spiritual successor to Vine. I looked at TikTok largely as a spiritual successor um, to Vine. And the thing is, it largely was, at least that's how it started in terms of that short form content, but took it further with regard to the fact that it could go up to what was it, 60 seconds even back then? I think back then it was even up to 60 seconds. So Vine, if you guys aren't familiar, is a short form video social media platform that uh, brought us uh, the Viner generation of YouTubers who migrated to YouTube when that app died uh, subsequently. And if you're not familiar, there were some major players that actually got their start on Vine that were not originally successful on YouTube. Creators like Jake and Logan Paul, David Dobrik, Lele Pons, Gabby Hanna. This generation of Vine creators ultimately was able to take their audience off of Vine, transition to long-form content successfully on YouTube, something that was very difficult back in the day. Even today, it's very difficult to take you know, an audience from one platform to another, especially taking an audience from any platform and bringing them to YouTube successfully is very, very difficult. People struggle with that even now. Maybe some of you are struggling with that now. So that was actually um, a radical shift that we saw back in the back in the day, uh, back in the old days um, of Vine. So those creators did that in about like roughly uh, 2015, right? So this was a big deal back then. The other thing um, that's interesting is so now you have uh, TikTok and, and, and TikTok ultimately was short form vertical video content, very much like Vine, very disposable content. And 
it it ended up dominating the internet in ways we couldn't foresee and it ended up changing internet culture forever the new stars of pop culture are born on vine and not on youtube charlie and dixie d'amelio are some of the most famous influencers of this generation successful tiktokers um bella porch um you know uh, olivia rodrigo famous tiktokers the new musicians that come up that are famous the new actors and actresses of a generation they're tiktokers not youtubers instead of getting discovered on youtube like justin bieber a lot of you may not realize justin bieber was an og youtuber who was discovered by p diddy he was an og youtuber um dylan o'brien from teen wolf the maze runner and a lot of other stuff he was a youtuber he was a youtuber so your your mtv and um you know your mtv actors and actresses your musicians your singers they're coming up through tiktok now you know even in the hip-hop and rap scene people are coming up through tiktok instead of youtube youtube used to produce the stars of the era youtube used to produce the next generation of would-be celebrities and idols and icons and now it's tiktok and so even just on that before we get into the data like oh it's surpassing on watch time it's surpassing on uh website visits all that stuff you gotta understand that it won culturally a long time ago it's been a minute here just consider that um Four or five years ago, none of you knew who Olivia Rodrigo was. And now she's accepting like an MTV Music Award from Jennifer Lopez, who I'm sure she grew up watching. Like TikTokers sweep these award shows and they are just like crushing it. It's not even close. It's not even close. That's like the thing about it is it's not even close. Meanwhile, um, yes, you are seeing some YouTubers transition to the mainstream you are seeing some youtubers get uh netflix shows and get play but they're doing that after very long and drawn out careers um and that's something that is also still just a massive struggle for youtubers to be legitimized uh, in general when it comes to mainstream media you know so uh, i mean I don't know what to tell you. It seems to me that the TikTokers have won here, and I don't even think it's close. Then you have to consider the fact that every social media platform is just copying TikTok now and going with vertical video. Vertical video is the new religion, and easy virality is the new religion. So when you look at that, I mean, YouTube copied them with shorts. Instagram copied them with reels, Facebook copied them with reels. Then you have the TikTok clones. Um, so you have things like there was an app called Byte and I think it's changed its name now. And you have, God, what's the other one? God, what's that? Uh, Triller, that's it. Uh, yeah, which I believe Jake Paul and Snoop Dogg are investors in Triller. Um, and so, yeah, there's just so many of these things that have been impacted by TikTok and it's dominance, and it's just become undeniable at this point. So with TikTok being literally undeniable and shaping how we you know, participate in social media and the virality of TikTok because of its simplistic algorithm. In fact, you don't have to make thumbnails like you do for YouTube. You don't have to worry about keywords and research and all that stuff. You can just make 
videos. You know, a lot of people were dunking on it and thought it was cringy and thought it was lame and stupid. In the early days of it, I was like, yeah, it's fine, but that's the culture. That's whatever. So I like, I wasn't as harsh on it as I was like on Snapchat when Snapchat started. Um, but I think TikTok is defining a generation in a way that Vine and Snapchat couldn't. And I think TikTok has longevity. I will say there is something that I think TikTok has a vulnerability with. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But one of the other things I will say is unlike Vine, Vine did not directly monetize and pay its creators in ad revenue. And ultimately Vine, which was owned by Twitter, ended up shutting down. Twitter shut it down. Twitter seems to just abandon everything it, it ever starts. It shut down that, shut down Periscope. I mean, it abandoned uh, Twitter fleets. Like Twitter seems to scrap everything interesting it ever does for some reason. Twitter, I used to love Twitter so much. I admire Jack Dorsey tremendously, who's now stepped down to see of Twitter. But Twitter has become a hellscape site, something I'll talk about in another episode of the podcast. And I've talked to other content creators about this. And genuinely, we, we usually love Twitter. We usually love Twitter. But um, I think a lot of you probably agree with the fact that like Twitter has become less and less fun for a lot of reasons lately. Uh, Twitter is running people off the internet. PewDiePie quit Twitter for mental health reasons almost two years ago, I think. I actually miss PewDiePie being on Twitter. Twitter was more fun when he was there. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's just um, a lot that we can look at in terms of just the cultural shift to short form vertical video content and its impact. But here's the thing that they got right, the creator fund. Now granted, like TikTok doesn't pay really well. I'm, in fact, I'm gonna try and see if I can pull up um, a calculator um, for like TikTok. Um, TikTok's earning, earning calculator. Cause like with YouTube, I can tell you that if you are a, if you're like a entertainment based channel, you can get a like two, like a one to $5 CPM in most cases, right? So I can, I can run that calculation. However, the, the thing that I will say is that, and if any of you, by the way, if any of you are on the TikTok creator fund, if any of you are on the TikTok creator fund, then what I would love you to do is like, tell me how much a million views is worth on TikTok, if you don't mind. If you can tell me how much a million views is worth on TikTok, that would be dope because um, it, it'd be very interesting, in my opinion, to have it from all of you because um, if I look at this, I think that, yeah. Nope, that's not it. Like, I can't seem to find, like, really good... Oh, wait, this might work as far as a calculator. Hang on. So what's a million views worth? Because I can tell you what a million views is worth in YouTube. So let's see. Um, Let's see. So that's what... 10,000, 100,000. Hmm. I'm not sure, like, hang on. So we have someone here who's saying that a million views is worth 20 to 40 bucks last time you had some viral videos. 
Okay, that's about consistent with what I've seen in doing my like, I because I remember I had notes on this as far as how many um, how much money you get for a million views on TikTok. That sounds about right. I'll tell you by comparison what you get for a million views on YouTube in a minute. I'm also going to tell you what you get for uh, how much do you get paid for one million streams on Spotify? Because I want I want to like make this as clear as I can for you guys. So I'm going to tell you um, basically how much you get for a million uh, streams on Spotify. And then I'll tell you how much you get on YouTube. And then um, I'll tell you basically what it looks like. Uh, well, we have evidence right here of what it looks like for uh, creators on TikTok. I know we have some more TikTok creators in the house. Like Natasha, I see you lurking there. Like uh, if you guys, and again, no one has to feel pressure, but if you do want to help us out and tell us uh, how much a million views is worth on TikTok, that's actually uh, helpful. But let's see. Yeah, according to, ah, I can tell you actually what it's uh, theoretically work, worth to a bunch of these actually, because I can tell you Spotify, and tell you I can tell you Spotify and I can tell you title and I can tell you a couple of these. Okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So if you got hang on. If you got a million streams on Spotify. And this is pretty consistent with what I've seen from other people. It's around up to $4,000 per million streams, up to that. Now, um, in order to get to $1,000, um, you know, it's a little, about quarter million on Spotify, 80,000 on Tidal, uh, 53,000 on Napster, 100,000 on Apple Music, 150,000 on Deezer, Amazon, about a quarter million, Pandora, you'd need to get uh, 750,000. And with YouTube, it's projecting that you'd have to get over half a million. And that's on the music side in terms of the music streaming services. Now, with regard to YouTube to get to like $1,000, um, I can tell you that for me, I just have to get 100,000 views on my main channel. And that would probably do it. Um, probably roughly about the same for the podcast channel. But with regard to well, how much do you get for a million views? For me, if I get a million views, it's about worth um, $10,000 or so to get a million views, but the average YouTuber gets somewhere between $500 and $1,500 for a million views on YouTube. By comparison on TikTok, what I've seen from people is I've heard $20, $40, and up to $100 uh, for a million views on uh, TikTok. And for YouTube shorts for a million views, I've seen people say like $15 from the creator fund. So that's what we're looking at. Uh, which is not hella great numbers, to be honest with y'all. I mean, that's not that impressive. But um, yeah, YouTube is the strongest play when it comes to, well, how much money can I make for doing this? In most cases. In most cases, YouTube is the strongest play in terms of monetization, which is why YouTube is one of the most sought out things. Not to mention the status, the, the trophies, the play buttons, the awards that you get. Um, silver, gold, diamond, uh, ruby, and uh, whatever the largest one is, whatever the custom big one is for 100 million, whatever that is. Ruby diamond, I think that is, or red diamond. 
So YouTube, still the strongest platform. Uh, there are some competitors out there. Spotify is about to do some really good things with monetization with video content and podcasting videos. So that could get really interesting. I'm going to be playing in that space very soon here. Um, the other thing is shorts do not monetize in the exact same way on YouTube as the regular YouTube uh, partner program. They have a creator fund. Facebook has a creator fund. Instagram has a creator fund. So like these, at some point, I'm going to make some kind of chart that literally tells you how much a million views is worth on each one of these platforms. Because I think that'd be a like really good chart to make. It's going to require a little bit of research, going to require a little bit of design. And so I'm going to be working on that. But yeah, it's, it's a huge gap, just like you saw. But the thing is, at least TikTok, like YouTube, went with paying people. Same thing with Twitch. At least they're paying people. So the, the platforms that you see people um, really focusing on are YouTube, TikTok, and Twitch. And why? Because they can earn something. Um, I knew a creator on TikTok that was getting like 10 million views a month. She was making like $2,000 a month. If you're getting like even 1 million views a month on YouTube, you'd, you'd be making like more for less. If you got, or if you were getting 10 million on YouTube, you'd be like, you'd be killing it. You'd be making like a small fortune. So it's not even close, you know, between TikTok and YouTube, it's not even close. The problem is that TikTok gives you easy, quick virality. It helps your first couple of videos go viral, get big. And so people gravitate to it because it's easier to grow. I've seen creators say, geez, it took me years to get to 100,000 on YouTube. And it's like I did it in one year on TikTok by uploading a lot more or something like that. So like people go to TikTok because it gives them the growth. It gives them the virality. It gives them a community. It gives them recognition. A lot of them dream that, okay, if I get that right, I can port that viewership and that audience over to YouTube. The thing about it is it typically doesn't really work out that way in terms of being able to shift your audience from TikTok over to YouTube. A lot of people assume that it does, um, but it doesn't really work out that way. And the other thing is, um, you know, there is a lot of things that people really just like try to... Um, a lot of people just try to massively, massively try to convince their audience to do things they're not naturally gravitating to do. The porting of the audience doesn't work. Just like, you know, one of our viewers here is saying it's audiences like to consume content in the place that they want to consume that content. Viewers have preferences. Viewers have preferences. They have experiences they prefer. A lot of you, your best viewing experience of the podcast is on YouTube. You prefer it on YouTube, and that's where most of you will watch. And so even though we are streaming to multiple platforms here, um, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, so on and so forth, there's like there's a preference that viewers have. The same content won't perform in the same places. I've seen creators upload um, short-form content to TikTok, seen them upload that same content to YouTube as shorts, seeing them uploaded to Instagram reels. And you know what? It performs differently. The overlap is not as big as people think. Everyone keeps thinking that they can port over their audience because they keep assuming that the overlap is there. And I hate to break it to you, it really isn't. It, it, it's like, so uh, when you try to do that, 
you're trying to get the audience to do what's in your best interest instead of doing what their preferences are. And so when you look at that, I would argue that it's very, very difficult to build a relationship with the audience when you are making them do something that they don't want to do in the first place. When you're trying to convince an audience to do something that is more, much, much, much more in your interest than in their interest, they can end up like rejecting that. They can end up saying, well, nope, I'm not interested in that. I want what I want. And so there is something to be said for audience preferences taking priority and they want different experiences. And the thing is, it is a good thing, I think, to build short form content and then see which platform it performs on because then you know where that thing is working. Also, when you look at what's happening with these platforms, I think the platforms are neglecting, well, what makes them special and they're chasing each other. Um, so that is something that you just really need to think about. And so for me, when I think about it, when I think about it, I think about why I spend more time on YouTube than these other platforms. What I will say is I'll give YouTube Shorts a lot of credit. They did roll this out to compete with TikTok. But the thing is, I just think the viewing experience on YouTube is superior to every platform that competes with it, including TikTok. Now, I've scrolled through and I watched some TikToks and I blow off some steam when it comes to that. But I think the viewing experience on YouTube is just far superior. Now, something um, that is being brought up here. So what about long form creators um, that want to make money? Should they avoid TikTok? There's just more money in YouTube and it's not even close. I'll be real with you. If your content performs better on TikTok, that's where you build an audience and maybe you get sponsorships and brand deals and you get opportunities to make money there. As far as ad revenue and monetization, as far as the variety of monetization options you have, YouTube is far superior, but it might be harder to meet the requirements for some people on YouTube than to get monetized quickly on TikTok. And so a lot of young people, a lot of young people will just go and win on TikTok and then try to use that to grow to the monetization status on YouTube faster. So that's what a lot of them are doing. But yeah, um, long form is just better on YouTube. And the thing is YouTube shorts channels struggle to get their audience to watch long form content. They do not even get close to the same views. Even when they build up massive subscriber bases, I've seen shorts channels grow to a million subscribers doing YouTube shorts every single day and get to a million subscribers in a year or less. Uh, creators like uh, Max the Meat Guy, for example, right? But the problem is even if you get a million subscribers doing YouTube shorts, you struggle to get 20,000 views on a long form video with a million subscribers if you grow it from a shorts audience. So the, so the shorts is a specific viewing experience. And when people subscribe based on your YouTube shorts, it means that a lot of times they're not going to watch your long form videos because everyone's under the delusion that people watch a creator purely for their personality. That is rare. If your name isn't Kelly Stamps, I don't think people are watching for your personality exclusively. And I'm one of the only YouTube coaches that'll be very, very blunt about that, like almost hurt your feelings blunt about that um, in terms of saying, yeah, you know, people might stick around in terms of watch time. You can see that's the number of people 
who care about your personality is based on your average view duration, your watch time, people who show up to your live streams like this, like that's the people who care about your personality. But most people, it's the content and the experience that they want, the format, the style, the topic, whatever it is. And that's what they're watching for. They're watching purely for the content more than they are for the creator. And that's just how it is for the majority of viewers. So that's why if you're wondering, well, why can't I get my TikTok audience to follow me over to YouTube? Because they're not going to get the same experience over there. And they decided they wanted to be on TikTok. And that's how they consume. And then when it comes to shorts, well, people want to watch shorts. So if they want to watch your shorts, they don't necessarily want to watch your long form videos. People who watch an edited uh, five minute, eight minute, 10 minute video may not be willing to stay on an hour long live stream and be part of the community. That will be the chosen few people. And so you won't always be able to grow your podcast off of your, you know, people think that I can only grow the podcast this quickly because I have an existing YouTube audience. Okay, facts, that helps, but it's not going to grow as fast as people would imagine with my larger 500,000 subscribers because the people who watch that channel and subscribe to that channel, there's only a couple of thousand people that like the law, the live streams when I do them on that channel. They don't, they aren't like, you know, there's only so many people that's like got time for that. Most people they're like, ain't got time for that. Right. So with, um, with your formats, the length of videos, the type of content, the consistency of that, all that stuff matters. So there's just, there's just a lot that goes into it. There's just a lot that goes into it and it's a different experience. It's a different experience. RB with the multiple angles to see you. Huge Kelly Stamps fan started with the content slowly morphed into like as a creator. Yeah, facts. That's what happens. That's what happens. But again, not everybody sticks around long enough to then like the creator for their personality. So Rico says, for me, TikTok, I feel I have a great opportunity working with more mainstream brands on TikTok compared to if I was on YouTube at my size, at least. Okay, facts. Yeah. So again, the way that a lot of people on TikTok make their money is not from the creator fund. They make a little bit of money. It's young people who like the creator fund money. They're, for everybody else, it's not a lot of money. And they're making some money doing goofy videos. So they're happy with whatever little it is. It's very hard to make a living with the TikTok creator fund. The opportunity with TikTok is actually, the opportunity with TikTok is actually to specifically build an audience that makes you valuable two brands and then the brands are ultimately going to be the ones that pay you and put you on so that's different and that's how most people are doing it now with youtube you have the opportunity you could be doing shorts you could make money off the shorts from the creator fund which is very different you could also get to monetization status this channel got to monetization status and um you know can do things like uh super chats for example and so that's another different uh, revenue stream. There is the ability for creators to earn money with the ad revenue, sponsorships, affiliate links in descriptions, so on and so on and so on. And so that's a radically different level of being able to monetize than say TikTok. So it has more options and variety. You could also post things to the community tab and you could technically monetize uh, there you could monetize through that. So there's just these opportunities that exist on YouTube that don't necessarily exist in the same way on TikTok or the other platforms. I'd say probably the closest to YouTube, direct parallel to YouTube, is probably Twitch, 
Facebook. I think Spotify video will soon. So there's that. But YouTube and Instagram and Facebook decided to copy TikTok, introduce reels, introduce creator funds. The, the main thing that bothers me about all these creator funds is that I think TikTok is the only one that isn't vague, that isn't vague about what it takes for you to start getting paid. Um, let's see. Joey vlog says, Roberto, mind saying how you stream across many platforms, uh, StreamYard. Actually it is StreamYard. And you know what? Let's go ahead. Speaking of sponsors, let's just go ahead and plug StreamYard right now. We thrive. Thanks to the support from our sponsors. Here's a word from one of them. If you want the simplest solution in live streaming, then you definitely have to check out StreamYard. StreamYard allows me to do the Create Something Awesome Today podcast really easily, allows me to download the audio separately, even download individual audio files from my guest with the pro level account. I can also have my team manage things from the back end by adding them to the account. And I also get to live stream to multiple platforms all at once. And I can even download the video in full quality and have my editors chop this up for clips, YouTube shorts, or even post it to TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and more. So if you want the simplest solution in live streaming to help you as a content creator, you definitely want to check out StreamYard. Go to robertoblake.com slash go slash StreamYard or use the link in the show notes and description and go ahead and take advantage of either the free version of StreamYard to get started right away or get one of their great affordable plans. Thank you to StreamYard for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. So yeah, when it comes to the idea of monetizing, I still think YouTube wins hands down. When it comes to growing an audience fast, virality, building a, a group of followers, getting your numbers up fast, well, it's TikTok. But can you turn TikTok success into YouTube success? It's very hard, aside from just taking the same content and doing short form content across uh, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, really difficult to do. Very difficult to move people from one platform to the other. The best experience usually is you can move your YouTube audience to TikTok, Twitter, like Instagram, even Twitch. You can do that much more easily than moving your audience from those other platforms to YouTube. That's the weirdest thing, but it's just proven to be true over and over and over again. Alice Turner coming through with the 499 Super Chat. Really do appreciate that. Listening while working on my channel. Thanks, Roberto. Yeah, after this, I'm actually probably going to try to do a late night editing session and just finish up the video that I was working on. If not, I'll have to get to it first thing in the morning because I really do need to roll out the last bit of content for the year. But yeah, Adrian says, I keep hearing you talk about Spotify video. It sounds really interesting, potentially get into. It's going to be, yes. CleverTax says, I was getting brand deals with less than 500 subs, but to do that, you really gotta be plugged into the industry and the community around your niche. And obviously it doesn't work for some niches. Yes, that's very true. Very true. Clover's part of the firearms niche. So there's a very small but very loyal community around that. And it, your his knowledge is like above par. So um, when you're a subject matter expert, that goes a long way to getting certain brands to work with you in different niches. All Access Construction with a $5 super chat coming through. My man, appreciate you. 
So yeah, um, I, I think that having videos blow up on TikTok and even Instagram is significantly easier with their setup or even YouTube shorts than a regular YouTube video or a long form video or a live stream. Much, much easier. But financially, just because you blow up doesn't make it worth the same money. And a lot of creators are realizing that there's a big difference between cash and clout. Like creators are learning the difference between cash and clout. And I think that it's, um, I think it's important to understand that you can blow up and you can get this viral content and it will not necessarily pay you very well unless you're working with brands and unless you negotiate really well and you're getting what you want from those brands. But in terms of the content directly paying you, not so much. The Sensory Strut says, hi, Roberto, recently discovered your channel. It's very helpful. Thanks for your hard work and sharing your tips. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So yeah, um, someone here in the chat is saying TikTok fans aren't true fans. I disagree. I wouldn't say they're not true fans. They might be more casual viewers. Um, the content might be more short-lived, but I wouldn't go so far as to say they aren't true fans. I mean, what's a true fan? Um, there's a lot of ways to say you're a true fan. When someone talks about 1,000 true fans, though, they're usually talking about people who don't just uh, give you support you with their eyeballs. They're talking at that point about people who support with their wallet. So that's a that's just a different level of uh, of support there. So you know there it, there's a lot to that. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they aren't true fans though. So yeah, that's just something to think about. I, I think that a lot of people get very particular about what they think that looks like. But just keep in mind that brands also have their own opinions about what is enough engagement, so to speak. So take that with a grain of salt. But let's look at this article real quick. I want to share this with you. Take a quick peek here. So it says here uh, that uh, TikTok reportedly overtakes YouTube in average watch time. And so this is um, for the first time. So um, according to an analytics firm, AppAnne, uh, in the US, ByteDance's app just overtook YouTube in August. And as of June 2021, its users watched over 24 hours of content per month compared to 22 hours and 40 minutes on Google's video platform, YouTube. So, wow, they beat uh, them not only in watch time, but also in average individual viewer duration per month. Okay. The figures only include viewership on Android phones. However, that may not be representative of mobile users in the whole list. Oh, on Android, please. Like, come on. I, I mean, if, but here's the thing. I also don't doubt that, but it's just like, if it's just on Android, that doesn't feel like that's enough to justify that headline. But I could be wrong. There might be more studies where it's also with regard to Apple. It's still interesting. But as far as YouTube, um, let's see. Let's, let's look at another one of that because the, here's the other thing. It did also have an interesting thing where... Um, According to Cloudflare, it actually beat YouTube on uh, traffic. 
TikTok tops Google as the most visited website on the internet. So let's look at this. For the first time, TikTok surpassed Facebook and Google as the most popular destination on the internet, according to uh, the technology firm Cloudflare. So, I mean, I think Cloudflare is a good source for that. Yeah. And so it says uh, TikTok, then Google, then Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, YouTube, Twitter, WhatsApp. Um, top 10 most visited social media platforms this year. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Reddit, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. It hasn't been in users, though. Uh, TikTok only has a billion users. Uh, YouTube has 2 billion users. So that's just um, something to think about there. The sensory strut says sending super chat just as support likely can't stay up and watch this whole thing, but we'll be there for the play. Yeah, the playback will be available. So definitely. Uh, we got how money works here. Um, supporting in the live chat. Um, for those of you who don't know the podcast episodes, I have someone on my team that's going to be updating the newest podcast episodes and they will be on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google podcast, all the podcasting platforms. We're also going to start transitioning over to Spotify video. It's just going to take us a minute because I'm doing so much all at once as we round out the uh, year and the coming months. But yeah, how many works has a great YouTube channel. In fact, actually, I think that um, some of your content, how many works would probably do really well in YouTube shorts, Instagram reels and TikTok in terms of you're known for getting to answers as quick as possible. So like just actually explaining something as quick as possible about money to actually probably go mega viral for you on these platforms. And you'd actually be giving good information. Cause one of the things I hate about TikTok is how bad the education content is on TikTok. Uh, TikTok's education content, in my opinion, is the worst thing to ever happen to social media. I know that's a hot take. Um, yes, you should absolutely be uploading your YouTube shorts to TikTok. Make YouTube shorts first, then upload them to TikTok, and then upload them to Instagram. That way, they don't have the TikTok watermark. Um, do expand a little bit because uh, I've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast, but diversify, diversify, not all the eggs in the YouTube basket. Diversify, diversify, diversify. Monetize, monetize, monetize. Monetize everything, all the things, all the time. Monetize all the things, all the time. Uh, so, yeah. Excellent. So, so yeah. So one of the, by the way, if you guys haven't checked out the YouTube channel, how money works is actually one of my favorite YouTube channels. Um, I like uh, how money works, Windover productions. Uh, there's just so like so much cool stuff. Yeah. Appreciate you. But yeah, the, the education and investment content on TikTok, it bothers the hell out of me. There's so much misinformation, uh, so much inf misinformation there. Um, and it's not everybody. There are some, some content creators who drop gems, but man, oh man, it's, um, yeah. And, and I've debated what content I would put out on TikTok. Um, there's some entrepreneur content on there, even from some established people. Some of it gets a little cringe because they're trying to play the culture. I don't know if I even fit in on TikTok, honestly, that I might from a tech standpoint, as far as playing with my camera stuff. Like my camera stuff might actually be really cool to do on TikTok, but that's also a lot of work compared to repurposing other pieces of my content. So we'll see. But yeah, the 
maybe I'll even just do literally lifestyle content on TikTok. Now that I'm a homeowner, I can actually just talk about homeowner stuff. Talk about like my boomer stuff. <laughs> but yeah, the the thing with uh, TikTok is one of the things that I look at besides just like how I feel about uh, some of that content there is that short form content is not... All right, short form content has its place. Let me say it like this. Short form content has its place. There is a community and culture for short form content. There are people who enjoy it. And for a lot of people, that's appropriate for them. They don't have a lot of disposable time. So that's how they like to consume. It's also really good for just pure entertainment, blowing off steam and killing time. But I will say that I think it's harder to build an invested community around disposable short form content. I think it's harder to build an invested community around disposable short form content. I'm just going to say it. And that's, that's what I believe. That's what my own experience has been. You know, honestly, that's what my own experience has been both as a viewer and as a creator. However, I think there's a place for it. I think the reason that you can grow subscribers and followers faster off the short form content is because the commitment doesn't feel like it's as much. I think it's much harder to commit to a streamer on YouTube or Twitch in terms of that experience. But I do think it's easier to build an attachment to that, that creator. I think it's easier to build a relationship and an attachment to a streamer that you're spending a lot of time with. I think it's more practical for like a long form content creator that you're building a lot of time with, but not every type of content is suited to that. So that's why it can feel harder to grow on like YouTube, in terms of regular content or even on Twitch compared to TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, you can grow fast there, but it's not quite the same thing in my opinion as having like a really tight knit, close supportive community that will be invested in you. Now it depends, cause the thing is if you're a musician, well, that's different. If you're a musician and you're building a community on TikTok, oh, well that's different. You could definitely build a community as a musician, might even be able to pull it off if you're a comedian, because that's different, radically different. But in terms of building a relationship versus your content being a commodity, getting them invested in you as a creator instead of viewing your content as a commodity, well, that's different. And so I think with TikTok, you become a commodity instead of a relationship for the most part. But when it comes to streaming, streaming, I think, is the way to build a community and a relationship with your audience that feels much more intimate, even if it grows you slower. That's what I believe. So that's why I believe streaming and podcasting definitely is a depth relationship instead of a width relationship. And the thing that's unsatisfying about that is the speed of growing followers. The speed of growing followers lends itself to the short form content. Short form content is velocity of audience. Short form content is velocity of audience. Longer form content like live streaming is depth of relationship, depth of community. Okay. And I'm not saying short form content creators don't have a community or can't have a community. I'm saying that like per capita, it's actually more people are casuals than invested. That's what I'm getting at.
And I think a lot of you probably would tend to agree with me, whether you're watching the live stream, whether you're listening to this as a audio, whether you're watching the replay of this, uh, the recap, I think that a lot of you would agree with me that short form content makes you more of a commodity. Your content might feel more disposable and it will have a casual viewership. Long form content builds a depth of interest, depth of relationship, because there's just a bigger commitment there. And so there might be more loyalty too. There might be more loyalty. Um, that's why sometimes it's hard for short form content creators to do things like sell something. Selling their own merch might be wildly difficult. Uh, selling their own products might be wildly difficult. Getting their audience to donate might be wildly difficult, even if they have a large audience. But when you have long form content and you have that depth, think about it. We had um, in this uh, live episode of the podcast, we had a couple of viewers donate already. We already found out that like a million views on TikTok or YouTube shorts is only worth 20 or $40. The podcast got that just with um, three or four loyal donations in terms of super chats in the same amount of time. So when you have a deep relationship with your individual viewers, you can get things like that in terms of like five or 10 of your viewers, if they're loyal, can be more valuable than 1 million casuals, you know? Cause that's the difference between support with eyeballs versus support with wallets. That's the difference in that passivity, you know? So there's a difference there. The credibility of working with a brand, we talked about this in some of the other uh, podcast episodes, the credibility of working with a brand can be even a higher level than that. And that's one relationship. So the thing is the depth of relationship, the respect, the loyalty, the investment, it hits different with people that are invested versus people who are casual. And things like viral content in short form lends itself more to a casual viewing audience and they'll follow and subscribe because that doesn't really cost them anything. And watching a short video, they can give you their full attention for 30 seconds at a time, for 60 seconds at a time. Ask people to stick around for 30 minutes. That's a different story. Asking people to like, you know, stick around for 60 minutes is not the same thing as asking them to commit the 60 seconds. If you want to know why you can get more followers on TikTok than YouTube or Twitch faster, well, 60 seconds ain't 60 minutes. <laughs> So that's, that's what I think. Um, Gabe in the uh, chat here is saying, shorts grow quickly, live streams to build connection. What's your view on mixing the two on one channel for a small creator? Oh, those, those extremes, the extremes of those two things, shorts and lives, you can try it if you're a small channel and see how it goes, but I personally wouldn't be doing it. The extremes are too much of a completely opposite psychology. It's a completely opposite psychology. I think that you can do, theoretically, if you do um, regular uploads, you could kind of throw shorts into your YouTube channel. The problem is shorts will overtake every other type of content. And you can find yourself quickly feeling tempted to just make shorts because of the new audience. And it kind of will be a slap in the face to the old audience, to be honest, if you had an old audience. If you are a small YouTuber and you're uploading regular videos, you could also do shorts or you could do live streams. I don't know that I would do all three, though. I don't know that I would be doing all three, to be very real with you. On this live stream channel, I'm willing to do upload videos 
and I'm willing to do live videos, but I'm basically going to stick to long form here. If I do a shorts channel, I'm willing to do shorts and I'm willing to do clips, but that's it. Not lives on top of that. So, um, I don't know about doing that on the main channel. I might do an experiment where it might represent having a little bit of all three, but honestly, I probably am not going to do shorts on my main YouTube channel that often. I really don't think I want to do that, to be honest with you. And the thing is, I don't, I'm not in love with making YouTube shorts or anything. And even if I got a million views on YouTube shorts, I don't care enough about views for that to tempt me, especially since shorts are not that financially valuable to the channel. Yes, it could grow some of my other videos, but shorts typically people don't necessarily, they'll watch shorts and they'll watch more of your shorts. A lot of them don't watch your other stuff. So like, I'm not really, to be honest, I'm going to make shorts. I'm going to experiment with them. I'm going to collect data, but I'm not excited about it for my main channel. I think for its own channel, good to go for TikTok fine instagram reels fine but i'm not excited about even if it got a million like i i would not just keep making youtube that this is me the rest of you will be very different and a lot of you actually do like and care about views i don't care about views that much to be honest with you i care about comments i care about engagement i care about watch time i care about ad revenue i care about affiliate revenue i care about product sales i don't really care about views i care about how many people in my audience are engaging beyond views so what percentage of my audience is doing something after they watch my video, whether that's leaving a comment, whether that's uh, leaving a like, whether that's sharing a video, whether that's buying something, clicking on something, supporting a sponsor, whatever it is, I care about engagement. So I don't really care about views that much. I care about the per capita engagement and I care about the end result from a business standpoint, but that's me. But that's me because I'm like, it's like, if you ask me, it's like, are you in the YouTube business? Or are you in the money business? I'd go, I'm in the empire business. Neither. I'm in the empire business. That's a very Walter White answer. But yeah, a lot of people, they're in the YouTube business or they're in the influencer business. Other people, they're in the money business. I'm in the empire business. And so for me, yeah, views are necessary, but do I need to get a million views? Well, to get a million views that then only pays 40, 50, 100 dollars when instead I could cater to a niche audience, I could cater to my most loyal fan base, I can cater to making content I believe more in, I can do content I like more, and also make more money. I don't care about the vanity metrics of views. I don't care about going viral that much. You know, I'll choose cash over clout and I'll choose community over clout every time. I'll choose, I'll choose cash or community over clout every single time. I'm not that interested in clout, probably because I'm. 37 years old. I wasn't popular in high school. I don't feel like being bothered with it now. I couldn't be bothered to compromise for popularity in high school. I can't be bothered to compromise for it now. <laughs> um, so someone in the chat is asking, can you compare and contrast YouTube shorts versus TikTok? I feel like on TikTok, you can just go wild and see what sticks, but maybe YouTube requires a little bit more structured approach. From what I've seen, you can basically throw whatever you want at YouTube shorts or TikTok. Um, it doesn't have to have a rhyme or reason behind it. A lot of people like that, you know, randomness, but, you know, whatever. Dorian says, but views are equal to revenue on YouTube. No, they're not. No, they're not, not in every, not in, nope. All views are not equal. 
you can do some content on YouTube that gets you a million views. You make 500 to $1,500. If I do the content my way, if it, even if it was more videos to get to that same million, the videos I do to get to a million for my channel, the way it works would be worth millions worth somewhere between 10 and 15 thousand dollars but with viral creators a lot of them you do a million views on youtube shorts it's worth 20 40 50 dollars you do a million videos on a regular upload and you're a um what uh was it called you, you if you're like an entertainment channel you're a gamer or something like that then like you get a million views you get 500 a thousand uh 1500 again i'll go 8000 10000 15000 depending on which topic i do or how i format the video no all views are not created equal on youtube so i can actually get less views and out earn another creator um you know um how many works says graham stefan makes seven times more revenue per view than me yeah so it's facts it's like um like the videos that would get the viral views will not necessarily be the thing that makes the money because not all views are equal on YouTube. They're not paid equally. Not all ads pair to the same videos. Not all ads are worth the same thing. So again, it, no views don't necessarily equal revenue. I mean, yeah, obviously it needs to be more than zero, but it's like, I don't care about views that aren't the right views. I, because even when it comes to it, like I said, you can get a million views on TikTok and not make more money than this live stream makes with a hundred people watching it. Because if you have a hundred, you know, loyal viewers and even a handful of them donate through like super chats or whatever, or channel memberships, it beats being a viral TikToker hands down. If you're getting direct support from a loyal audience, because one viewer that's a direct supporter can negate the casual viewer that doesn't vote with their wallet because the individual like viewers will be a fraction of a penny per view, but one loyal viewer is dollars and it could be whole dollars or like tens of dollars or more. So like, and then if they buy something, then that's even more. So you have to really consider how this works. Like you have to really consider the fact that there's a big difference also in the cultural demographics of certain types of content, short form, also platforms, TikTok versus YouTube. TikTok skews younger. YouTube skews slightly older than TikTok. In terms of affluent audience, there's a more affluent audience in YouTube than there is on TikTok. So, I mean, there's that. Even the countries that you have viewership in determine ad revenue rates. So depending on where your audience is in the world actually determines quite a bit when it comes to how much revenue you make. So English-speaking Western audiences end up paying better than non-English-speaking non-Western audiences, for example. And that's just one variable. Um, channels that cater to people 18 to 25 don't necessarily make as much money as channels that cater to people 25 to 45. So there's a big difference there. Views do not equal revenue. It's not a linear, it's not as much of a linear relationship as you might think. You would think the creator that gets more views would make more money. I've seen it not play out that way. Actually did a dedicated podcast episode all about YouTube monetization secrets and how much YouTube pays. Yeah. 
Uh, Fox Ferocious Music says, thank you again for your affiliate marketing webinar and content. I'm still learning from it years later. I still remember when you upload the webinars one after another. Useful too. Yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, yeah, there's like, there's a lot of really impactful ways that you can diversify the revenue that you make YouTube as a creator. Diversifying your platforms is good. And, but some platforms just have more options than others. YouTube has the most options. That's why I advocate people always considering doing a YouTube channel if they're serious about doing something online or making money or any of it, because like YouTube's opportunities are just too good. Like YouTube just offers too many ways for you to potentially earn money. There are too many good ways to monetize on YouTube to ignore. YouTube's too good to ignore. Uh, TikTok is great and TikTok is validating and TikTok um, helps you grow an audience really fast. But again, like, what do you do with that? And what do you, what's your community looking like at that point? And I'm not, I'm not dunking on TikTok when I say that, by the way, like TikTok's valid. I mean, I'm going to make, I'm going to post some content there. I'm going to see what happens, but from an ad, like from an ad revenue standpoint, from a super chats and donations, like YouTube makes more money. Then after that, I would say, um, streaming music on the, um, music platforms, I would say Spotify video is going to be a contender, Facebook and Twitch. And then at the bottom of that, yeah, TikTok. And then Instagram. Um, Giorgio, I think I'm pronouncing that, or I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. $20 Canadian. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. You're the man. Keep it up, Roberto. I do appreciate that. Uh, D. Nimmin in the house. What is up, my good friend? So D. Nimmin is saying, what did TikTok just do? Well, D. TikTok apparently got more watch time than YouTube, and apparently it is the most visited website of 2021. So in those metrics, it has surpassed YouTube. I also brought up that culturally, 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 um, TikTok has surpassed YouTube. All of our musicians and, uh, you know, um, famous folks today, they're getting their start on TikTok instead of YouTube. Your famous musicians in pop culture, even your rappers, your hip hop artists, they're getting their start and cutting their teeth on TikTok. Young talent and new stars for television, movies, and music are not being discovered on YouTube anymore. It used to be YouTube that made people in the music world, like, famous. It used to be YouTube. Think about it. It was YouTube that made the new celebrities for a long time. And now it's TikTok. Now it's TikTok. TikTok is leading the cultural revolution of making new stars. International sensations. All of the people at the MTV Music Awards. TikTokers. It is TikTokers now, not YouTubers. And like, and that's okay, by the way, that's okay. But YouTube, YouTube wants to compete and YouTube shorts, YouTube is aggressively pushing YouTube shorts. I would recommend a lot of you get into YouTube shorts uh, just to try it and just to see what happens. It could be the make or break. If you're struggling as a small YouTuber, actually I might make a video about this. If you're struggling as a small YouTuber and you haven't been growing, You've been struggling this whole time. You can't get views. You can't get subs. I actually had a consult 
with a small YouTuber. And I had to convince this small YouTuber today to lean into YouTube shorts because it was outperforming everything else on the channel. And the audience was responding to it. I'm like, this is the most you've ever grown over all these years. It's not even close. You have 4,000 subscribers. You're getting 30 and 50,000 views on these YouTube shorts. I convinced this creator to make another channel for their gameplay and go to live streams on a completely new channel and lean into shorts and grow this channel and grow it to like 20, 50, um, 100K and just go that route. And I, I just think that that is the smarter play for this creator uh, because uh, the audience is so much responding to YouTube shorts and it's not even close. It's not even close. So in that situation where you have something and the audience is just rocking with it at a whole different level, then the main thing is to just go ahead and lean into what the audience is willing to support. And then you can always, if it came down to it, you know, you could actually, you could start another channel. You could start another channel and you could do something um, different. And I think that that's, you know, I think that'd be powerful. Um, so this is a really good question. This is actually a really good question. Why does YouTube Shorts, why does YouTube Shorts create YouTube Shorts instead of creating a separate brand? People associate YouTube with YouTube, long form video. No, uh, not always. Back in the day, YouTube was very short form content for one thing. The other reason that they decided to do the YouTube Shorts brand, I assume it's similar to why they did the YouTube Kids brand. The difference is they didn't make it a separate app. I wish they'd made it a separate app like they did with YouTube Kids, to be honest with you. But YouTube um, also uh, has branded YouTube Gaming and didn't consolidate even that branding into YouTube Live, which I think might have been a mistake, but they wanted to lean into the community and culture specifically around gaming. Uh, similar to YouTube Music, they did as a separate app, but they, brand they merged that from... YouTube Music has its own separate app, which I like that it does, on top of being in the main platform. So I feel like YouTube Shorts should have been a standalone app. I think the only reason it didn't become a standalone app is because there was a potential government ban coming down um, you know, a while back from um, former President Trump. He was in office at the time. He was looking at banning TikTok as a um, you know, security threat leveraging a negotiation with China, all of these things. And um, that somehow magically evaporated. I might talk about that another time. That magically evaporated. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I started to take that seriously. Uh, but they then YouTube's like, okay, they banned it in India. They banned it in parts of China. They banned it potentially in Australia and in the UK. Like YouTube decided to launch in India when TikTok was banned in India, one of the largest population centers in the world. And so they deployed there. And I think that the speed to launch, the speed to launch and to swoop in saying, okay, TikTok might get banned permanently, but it's banned at least in a couple of countries or restricted or reduced. We're going to capitalize on that because we aren't banned. So they swooped in there and they want to do that. So I think they needed this launch faster, deploy and execute. And that didn't leave them time to spin off a standalone app. I think if they had had another year to work on it, it would have been a standalone app. So I think they just needed to move in there as fast as possible and take advantage of the situation. And like smart for them, like good for them. But I think that in many ways, they weren't really finished developing this. Because I mean, some of you might feel that like YouTube shorts, 
they took a lot of time even recently to update it roll it out and it's kind of clunky like it's uh when i say like tiktok is it's good in china the name the name there is doyen um yeah well there's parts of china i think it's banned in hong kong i think it's i'm not i'm not um as nuanced in geopolitical affairs. Um, and since like you live um, abroad, D, and you have for many years, you might actually know more about that one than me. But um, there was a point where it was talking about being banned in several countries and some bans did come down. So it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, it's even integrated into some of their news media apps. It's crazy. Think shorts integrated with CNN. Oh, I'd rather not. <laughs> um, personally, not using anything associated with Insta with Facebook because of my boomer attitude. So, regardless of Facebook creates the TikTok s thing, I don't think it'll use Facebook. Yeah, no, I can respect that. Um, I will say though that Facebook pays almost as good as YouTube on ad revenue. Just saying, sometimes more. Just saying. Um, isn't TikTok a Chinese company? So TikTok is owned by ByteDance. ByteDance is owned by Tencent. And so that's uh, where that comes in in terms of the, the relationship with China there. Tencent owns so much stuff. Tencent owns so much stuff, it's not even, oh my God, it's not even um, funny. Like you could do a whole like like a uh, freaking was it a string theory conspiracy board on Tencent it's yeah learn Spanish world thank you for a $20 super chat hi Roberto thanks to you my channel is more than 50k subs I've followed all of your tips and advice for the last three years just wondering how big can language related channels grow is it a limited niche no it can massively massively grow in terms of language channels uh look at uh lingua marina um she's also known as silicon valley girl but she has three channels she has a um she has a channel about learning different languages which is lingua marina she has another channel in russian that i can't pronounce and then she has silicon valley girl um uh language channels have almost unlimited potential language channels have almost unlimited potential it's one of the um it's one of the more it's one of the more interesting niches and there's a lot of ways to monetize it as well. Um, I also think that a language content, if you go to Skillshare and you start making micro courses on Skillshare on language lessons, you will make a fortune. You'll make more than you do on YouTube by about five X. I'm not even joking. Long-term mind you, but yeah, it's, um, and, and it's not even close. There's just so much potential there to monetize. Uh, it's so, so much. Um, Gabe asked, as in uploading it on Facebook instead, I would say in addition to, not instead, I would say in addition to. The problem is sometimes the monetization requirements, but right now they're doing bonuses for content on Facebook. They're doing bonuses on reels. They're doing bonuses on post. It's like, and it's uh, up to, I think they're doing like a 30 day thing. And I think it's like what, isn't it up to like $35,000 or something like right now? It's like, it's something absurd. It's something absurd. And um, I need to put together some notes on it. Honestly, I need to put some together some notes on it. But it's like, y'all, the amount of money that's out there in some of these platforms is mind blowing when it comes to some of these creator bonuses and challenges that they're doing. And um, 
the opportunities that exist. I still feel like YouTube is the best, but in terms of um, there are some really good opportunities out there and there are some bonuses that are being thrown out there to try to attract creators. And there are platforms that are willing to fight for creator talent. Facebook is willing to throw money at creators. Facebook needs original programming. They need to attract creators and they are willing to spend money. Zuck is ready to throw the bag at you. Like, I'm not even joking. And the metaverse stuff, the mo monetizing the metaverse. Oh, that's a title for a video. Monetizing the metaverse. That That is going to be a whole nother level. That's going to be shenanigans. Like, monetizing the metaverse, get ready for shenanigans. That is going to be something else. Um, people don't understand. There's going to be so much money in the metaverse. Um, the metaverse is going to make a mint like some millionaires uh, over the next couple of years. It's not even, and it's not even going to be close. It's going to be, <laughs> I love this. I love the hustle here. Um, how money works says uploading, monetizing the metaverse for for Roberto. Go for it, dude. Like that's like, actually, I will not be mad if you make that video. Uh, just shout me out. I will not be mad. You can make that video. You can have it. Uh, Cause I actually really, now I just want to see how money works. Make that video. Um, I'm also happy to cameo in that video, but yeah, there's, um, there's just so much cool stuff coming down the pipeline for creators. This is the greatest age to be a creator, an artist, a musician, a writer, um, an independent. It's not even close how good it is compared to where we were just 15 years ago, 20 years ago, let alone 30. Um, so this opportunity, the opportunities right now are tremendous. They are boundless. And I'm just really excited for everybody. To be very real with you, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. George coming through with the 1999 George Oberdorster. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Who are the top 10 YouTube creators that are investing in startups and entrepreneurs? I know Mr. Beast has invested to mill. Um, so who is doing that? Um, well, it depends. From a startup standpoint, I know that, I mean... When I say invest, when you say investors, I'm just going to count people actually building things also. Um, so I know as a startup founder, I don't know what his new current project is, but I know he's investing in stuff. You have Justin Can, who was the um, founder of Twitch, who sold it to Amazon. And I know he's investing in a lot of other things. I think Shelby Church is working on a startup of her own. She's also doing some investing. Uh, Graham Stefan is for sure always doing some interesting things there. So definitely Graham. Top 10. Mr. Beast, obviously for sure. Mr. Beast. I would definitely say Ricky Ray Butler. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm investing in startups. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to be doing a little bit more of that in future what do you think about creative juice i'm actually an invest i'm an angel investor in creative juice uh i'm also a uh brand partner you could think of it like as a sponsorship um and here's the thing what i dig about them one thing i really love is i love the invoicing tool because it's a they have a free invoicing tool which means i can ditch the thing that i was paying 40 dollars a month for to send out my invoices so that's really good um payment processor wise if i use uh paypal when I do a $5,000 brand deal, I lose about $150 when the money comes into my PayPal account. And then I lose another $15 when the money goes out of my PayPal account. So I'm losing money for no reason. When I have it go to my juice account, 
I don't have those fees. So for me, it's going to literally probably save me thousands of dollars over the course of this year alone. So like, that's like, yay. Um, there, uh, they give you a virtual debit card, which is really convenient because what I did was there are websites I shop on that they do some, what do they call it? Like some, basically some cash back bonuses or discounts on. So that's actually a little bit helpful. Um, you can use it like a separate bank account. A lot of creators, what they struggle with is the corporate veil, right? You're already familiar with this. A lot of creators struggle with uh, having a separate personal account and a separate business bank account. With a Juice account, they could kind of basically use that as their separate account to start that process. But I really recommend to everyone also just have a separate account in general between business and personal and don't commingle the finances. They're introducing other financial tools. Um, let me see if there's something I can show you without bringing up uh, my bank account information on Juice. Because I'd actually like to, for those of you who are watching, this is why some of you watching the audio, sorry, listening to the audio, you should definitely watch the replays on the YouTube channel when it comes to the podcast, because there are sometimes really cool visual things that you'll get to see if we do that. So let me see something I can show you that doesn't show my bank account details. Okay. All right. So this is pretty cool. Let me show you this. All right. So let's see here. So one of the things with juice here that's actually pretty cool is that when I connect it to my YouTube AdSense account, I can see something really interesting with my data. So 20% of my um, revenue is from my evergreen content, meaning that 20% of revenue is from stuff I've already uploaded. And out of all of my content, 33 uh, percent is still considered evergreen content. So that's even just like an interesting data point right then and there. It can also do estimated projections of revenue and stuff like that. So some of that is pretty cool. Another feature it has that some of you will really like is its media kits feature. So it can generate a very simple media kit that you can actually share a link to with brands and you can actually customize your rates and put that in. So you get all of that with juice on top of a, um, a juice uh, bank account. And right now, actually, if you use my link and you use code Roberto juice, they actually, if you fund an account, they'll put like an extra $10 in your account. So in terms of what I think about them, I became an investor because I think that they're also doing some other banking stuff for creators. So there's going to be some stuff where they actually might even be able to um, help creators by recommending them to CPAs for taxes and things like that. That's coming down the pipeline. So for me, I love Creative Juice and I'm an investor. I put my own money in. In addition to working with them um, as a brand partner, I'm an angel investor. So full disclosure on that one. Also my disclosure on that is in the show notes. But the reason that I wanted to get, I like wanted to pursue something with them. Partly one, because uh, Mr. Beast also is working with them and that's what put them on my radar. And the thing is I actually talked to him and a couple of the other people that they're working with um, like um, Betty from Switching Click. I actually talked to her um, for a good while at like Vid Summit specifically. And again, when I did um, talk to uh, Mr. Beast, when I talked to Jimmy like about this, he was actually really excited about what the potential is of this because he actually knows more about their roadmap probably than I do. But I will tell you this. I specifically 
specifically got involved with them on the free invoicing feature for your brand deals and having the ability for you to just for $0 have a tool to where if you need to invoice a brand that you can just do it and it doesn't cost you anything. I specifically, I specifically personally worked with them on that and I actually meet with their design team and I'm actually, I was like really adamant about this simple media kit feature, the brand deals invoicing feature. Um, I'm talking to them about what this, uh, like what these other financial services could be with helping with taxes and bookkeeping stuff because creators are overwhelmed by that massively. So in terms of, I, I love that you asked this question. So in terms of like what I think about them, it's like, I think that really what's nice, and this is the thing I feel, what's nice is a bank that's kind of like a buy creators, for creators type scenario. Cause like when I bought my house, one of the hardest things that I went through emotionally, I talked about this on a different episode of the podcast. One of the things emotionally was dealing with a financial institution that like they respected my entrepreneurship hustle, but I had to jump through hoops explaining to them how I make my money, what I do. And I, and it felt very dehumanizing. Sometimes they, they, they didn't go out of their way and they didn't try to dunk on me or anything like that. But like, I kept having to explain like as an entrepreneur and a self-employed person, why I make the money that I make. And it just like, uh, it was, it was really frustrating knowing that you can work with people who just get it is better. And so creative juice is getting us closer to just being able to have um, a bank that understands and respects us as creators, having a financial institution that like is for us to where it's like, we can go there instead of like going to an old traditional bank that doesn't like respect our profession, doesn't take us seriously, makes us have to justify how we make our money um, and jump through these hoops. So like for me, it was the fact that like I spent a lot of time talking to Seema, the CEO and founder, and I talked to a bunch of other people on the team. I talked about, I talked a lot with them about what I went through um, with financial institutions as a creator and how like, it doesn't feel like how much money, no matter how much money I make, it doesn't feel like they respect me. And that hurts. That's like, I, like, I really do get in my feelings a little bit that, about that because it's like, I went through all this trouble to earn the American dream on my own terms. I went through all this trouble to build something I'm really proud of. And then to like not feel respected the same way that if I did it in a traditional career, like doctor or lawyer, and I made the same amount of money, they'd be falling all over me. Right. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't need them to fawn over me and do all of that. But the thing is they would, if I made the same money, as a doctor or lawyer, they would sit there and they would like, you know, be like, hey, attaboy. And they would like, and they would bend over backwards for me. They wouldn't be able to do enough for me. But, you know, to, to, to get there to like work so hard and get to a place and then still not feel like it's good enough for people. Like, yeah, I do feel some kind of way about that. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I do feel some kind of way about that. So, yeah. Yep. But when I was talking with the, the folks from Creative Juice, like their answer to that is to basically just give creators an alternative to that. There's more that comes with that in the future. The stuff they're rolling out now is kind of like a MVP. It's like a first round type situation. But there will be obviously more things that they do in the near future. So again, um, what I will probably do 
And if you're still here, um, how money works, what would be cool is uh, stay tuned at some point because in the near future here in the new year, I do have um, lined up an interview with the CEO and founder of Creative Juice. And me and her just kind of like sit down for like 60, 90 minutes and chop it up. And so I think that you'll really enjoy that episode if you want to learn more about it and more about like her background, learn more about why I'm excited about this. Uh, Cause for me, um, just the idea, cause I mean, to be real with you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that's really interesting, right? You could be a content creator right now. You could be making six figures. You can make a quarter million dollars a year. You can make a quarter million dollars a year as a content creator. I guarantee you could be making a quarter dollar million dollars a year. You could have been making a quarter million dollars a year for the last three or four years of your career, right? Last four or five years of your career, you could have generated a million dollars in income over the last five years. You walk into a traditional bank, you tell them you're a YouTuber, you tell them you're a podcaster, and you ask them for a loan, they're going to laugh in your face. Or they're not going to give you the same amount that they'll give you if you made that same money and you say, I'm a pri- I have a private practice as a doctor. I have a private practice as an attorney. And you know, and you show them your tax filings and you show them that like you made a quarter million for the last four or five years. You show them that you've made over a million dollars in top line revenue over the last four or five years. You tell them you're a doctor or a lawyer, they can't do enough for you. They'll roll out the red carpet. You tell them you do that same thing and you tell them that you're a YouTuber, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do nothing for you. So like for real, knowing that, well, you don't have to go somewhere where you're going to be disrespected, somewhere where they're not going to take you seriously. Yeah, that's a like that's a positive push in the right direction. There's a positive push in the right direction. So we need, you know, we need something of our own because if they're going to like you know, if they're, if they're not going to take us seriously, if they're not going to respect what we do, we're not going to wait around for them, right? I mean, we haven't done that with everything else, so might as well. Might as well, you know? So that's how I feel about it. But with that, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode of the show and then stick around whoever is in the live audience. You'll definitely want to stick around. You want to be subscribed with notifications on because we'll do a little bit of a quick Q&A. But thanks so much. Stay awesome. I'll catch you all tomorrow. This episode has ended, but your creative journey continues. Visit createsomethingawesometoday.com and access all links and resources mentioned in today's show, all designed to help you create something awesome today.